Good morning and welcome to Pillow Talk. I'm Dave Pillow. Today we're going to be talking about a topic that just sounds too bizarre to be true. It sounds like science fiction, uh, kind of a Frankenstein's monster uh, story of pushing the limits of scientific innovation and possibilities, the kind of things we heard about being done in 1930s, 1940s, uh, America and Germany, the horrific medical experiments that went on on, on people trying to create a, a purer, more perfect human race uh, and just pushing the boundaries of ethics and morality medically. It was after World War II that the, uh, the world medical community got together and wrote a, a document um, which agreed on medical ethics, uh, updating the physician's oath, which hadn't been touched for centuries uh, after Hippocrates. And they said, do no harm. And uh, life from the moment of conception was a physician's duty to, to protect and to never give any poison. They, they had to write these things down because what seems like common sense to you and me uh, was so betrayed by the the Western medical community uh, trying to play God and suspend normal laws of morality. Uh, well, this topic is called transhumanism because that is literally the words being used by the World Economic Forum, those benevolent overlord elites who seek to rule and govern and tell us what is best for us. And maybe they're not so benevolent after all. Well, Sandra Goody is joining me in the studio today, along with George Christensen, two people who have done a lot of research on this topic. Uh, Sandra Goody's actually written the book. And on Amazon, it says, at the forefront of science and technology, there lie competing ideologies as to the nature of humanity and the future of human flourishing. This is really important questions. We all want humanity to flourish, but do we need to understand and, and reassert the actual definition of humanity? What does it mean for us to be human? Will technology become a new ultimate savior or has the work of salvation already been accomplished? Are we only creatures of mind and body or are we also spiritual beings? Reaching for Immortality is a book written by Sandra, bravely examining the agenda and ideals of the transhumanist movement. This is a real movement, guys. They publish and promote their agenda. This isn't a conspiracy theory. This is absolutely discoverable facts, uh, well documented. And this book will compare and contrast these with the biblical vision of physical resurrection. Uh, and that's, an, that's a fascinating topic all in itself. But which vision of the future will be the most inspiring and, and worth some kind of allegiance? Uh, we're going to explore and discover these questions today. What does it mean to be human in light of exponential technological growth? What is transhumanism and where is it leading us to? Well, we've got a whole lot more coming up. Don't go away uh, because we're going to make this a no-holds-barred video. We're going to... Uh, delete the live streams uh, in just a few moments. Uh, and uh, and if you're watching live, you'll be able to keep watching till the end of the video, but we'll delete the recordings of the live streams and uh, from Facebook and YouTube and, and upload these directly to the website, goodsource.news. Uh, but 
Let's uh, get into it. May all that you stand for and that we stand for be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machines. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country. Well, uh, thank you for joining uh, Pello Talk today. I'm Dave Pello, and we've got some first comments already. Martin McKenna says, uh, thank you, George, Sandra, and Dave. The more videos go up on internet and Facebook and so on, the more info people can find when they go looking. People are waking up. And that's what we want to do. We want to be eyes wide open. Um, trust, but verify everything that uh, people in positions of authority say. And I do want to trust uh, people in positions of authority and and I want to elect better people to positions of authority and and when we do I'd like there to be a an initial culture of trust but we have to absolutely be independent thinkers and researchers uh, with a wide variety of sources by which we can verify the truth and veracity of the various rumors and reports uh, which are going around uh, so joining me now is also George Christensen George, welcome again to Pello Talk. Always great to have you. We have got a temporary audio problem with you again. It's it's uh, It was mucking up a little bit, guys, before we started, and we're going to persist and, and just keep going with it. Um, but you play around a little bit with that, George. We will um, just keep talking. We'll bring you in. But in the meantime... I've just changed the audio, so uh, uh, I'm going to jettison this mic. Um, yeah, look, thanks very much for uh, having us, Dave, and it's great to be talking about such an in-depth topic. Yeah, it is. And you've done a lot of work on this, guys. Just put up uh, George's card, uh, Chris. Uh, people, there is so much information on transhumanism, uh, videos and articles uh, at nationfirst.substack.com. Um, and, and that's why George is, I mean, he's a regular guest. He's just a font of knowledge on so many things that are important for us to know about right now and a, a hardworking researcher. Uh, but um, there's a lot of that information repository, knowledge repository there. So uh, get Sandra's book, uh, which we're going to talk about now, and uh, also make sure you subscribe to Nation First on Substack. And uh, without any further ado, Sandra Goody, welcome. Thank you. Now, how come, uh, I mean, the, the glaring question of the day is how can goody be pronounced goody when it's spelled god i know it has a german <laughs> background but that's how the family has pronounced it for many years uh, i've changed my last name too well my ancestors have so uh, i think it was spelled very differently originally but uh, tell me the actual question the really important thing is is tell me about your book um and what is uh when the world economic forum uses the word when it's uh, bandied about the internet nowadays what is transhumanism Hmm, well, that's a very good place to start. So the definition of transhumanism is basically it's an ideology or it's a movement that seeks to transform humanity um, by either enhancing um, biological capabilities or intellectual capabilities. So um, in short, it's um, humans trying to improve themselves through technology. So the goal of transhumanism is to basically overcome human limits, like limitations, such as suffering, decay, and even death. 
So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting ideology. Now, uh, I mean, that all sounds good. I know, it does, uh, why, yes. <laughs> why, why not overcome the things that kill us? I mean, as from a Christian perspective, God yeah. didn't design us to die. He didn't design us uh, with entropy. That was a result of, of the fall. Yes. Um, and so, you know, if we were designed and, and we're not living up to the ideal that God wanted for us all along, um, where does this fall down and become morally problematic? Yes, it's a very good question. So sometimes, I mean, there's a lot of things that scientists are doing and technology can, you know, assist us in which are very good things like, you know, curing diseases and overcoming um, like limitations and um, maybe even prosthetics and things like that to help people yeah. and alleviate suffering. So um, those sort of things are uncontroversial. Um, but what is more controversial is this sort of um, uh, there's a blurring the line between like therapy and enhancement. So therapy is just sort of fixing up, like medically fixing up what we can with the human body, which is there's nothing wrong with that. But enhancement is um, trying to, like it has a vision more of like becoming a superhuman. You know, how can we increase our, our um, you know, our strength or our eyesight to be able to, you know, see like a bat or something. Um, so that's a different um, question altogether. Like how, mm. where, where do you draw the line in terms of what we can do technologically? And just because we can do it, should we do it? And that's where the moral and ethical questions come into play. So... Have there been these moments in history before where science has said, you know, we think we could do this or we know we can do this and the medical fraternity, the ethical community, Christian and non-Christian alike, have said, no, that's playing God, that's a step too far, we, we shouldn't do that. And then down the track we go, you know what, we were wrong, um, that is a good use of science. Has that happened? Um, yes and no. So eugenics has been around for a long time and it, it's got a very bad press with the Nazis and, and other um, uses of it. But um, it, it's it's a very um, it's a very difficult question because there are some things that are very good uses of technology and science and other things that are not. But so the question is 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 some of those things that are excellent uses of technology things that were initially resisted and almost um, uh, um, superstitiously rejected with no actual religious, moral, scriptural foundation. It was, we, we've matured since then and, and are no longer superstitious about that. Well, it depends, I suppose, what your values are. Like, I mean, one example that comes to mind about that is IVF. So some people think that's a very good thing and that, you know, it enables people to have children, whereas um, maybe other people don't want to touch that. They think that's interfering. So, you know, sometimes the, the ethical boundary is not just so much black or white. It depends on your values, mm. whether or not you would go that far to... Um, you know, to have what you want. And I think this is the problem. These are the ethical questions like, um, you know, now with CRISPR-Cas technology where we can, um, you know, cut and paste genes and everything, um, like at the moment it's being used for um, like good purposes to like there's this Chinese guy who has used CRISPR-Cas on um, twin babies to remove a HIV 
gene. Mm. Um, and, you know, some people might think that's unethical because we don't know the long-term effects of that and the whole genetic engineering of the human genome can, um, we don't know if you take out one gene, what else is connected to that and what would be the long-term effects of that. We might think that we can just sort of play around yep. with our um, genome, but we, we, we don't know. We were not the author. We didn't put it together. We're not quite sure of what the outcome of that is. And then it leads to ethical questions. And I think this is something that, um, as you said, like some people get very excited about these sort of technologies and what they can do and the whole idea of like designer babies and, you know, um, designing like what kind of child you want, you know, whether you want them super intelligent or super strong and all the rest of it. And you can play around with genetic engineering to actually accomplish that. Like we actually have the technology to do that. But that, as I said, just because we can do it doesn't mean that that's a really good thing to do. So there's ethical and moral questions around yeah. that. Um, and do we, I mean, you know, it just opens up a can of worms, Dave. Like, yeah. do we, you know, like, and who is, who is sort of um, determining what's valuable, yeah. you know, and like what things should we uh, take out and what should things should we put in? And yeah. there's lots of questions around George, uh, what are some of the... Um, the, your thoughts on on these questions that I've asked Sandra so far. Um, just oh, jump in the things you want to contribute as you were listening. I think I agree yeah. with Sandra and what she's just said there. I mean, uh, the reality is, uh, I mean, there has been pushback from uh, religious and secular people to scientific innovation over the centuries. Um, you know, was it right, right or was it wrong? Well, there's another uh, way of looking at it. If nothing's ever questioned, whether it be right or wrong, I mean, you will lead to uh, uh, the consequence, if it's not questioned, of, of, of it just happening without any sort of uh, moral considerations, any ethical considerations. Uh, and, and that's called scientism. And, you know, uh, a long while ago, uh, hundred years ago, uh, C.S. Lewis was uh, was raging against uh, scientism, uh, science without uh, morality, science without ethics, science for the sake of science. And it goes to the old question of um, we can do it, but should we? You know, you can do it, but should you do it? And I think that that really is a question that's at the heart of the transhumanist agenda. And it's not about uh, simply um, having robotic limbs or uh, replacing limbs. When I think of transhumanism, it's not just uh, fixing problems like uh, a defective or absent limb or uh, even an organ, although that probably starts to cross into it. Uh, but when you are melding artificial intelligence, particularly with the human mind and um, you're, you're making artificial intelligence an integral part of the human body. I think that you have crossed into transhumanism then. And uh, we sort of see the stuff in dystopian science fiction, but the reality is that it's almost here right now. Well, not almost, it is here right now. Uh, technology that was just spoken about by Sandra CRISPR which um, she will know a lot more and be able to explain a lot better than me. But that, uh, you know, that just shows that it is here right now. It's being used, it's being experimented on, and there's uh, children are being 
born or uh, that, are, that are being experimented on using that technology, uh, which, which is transhumanism. But it can be summed up by the guru of the transhumanist movement and uh, the World Economic Forum's uh, uh, resident uh, techno-spiritualist chaplain, Yuval Noah Harari, who says this, uh, having raised humanity above the beastly level of survival struggles, we will now aim to upgrade humans into gods and turn homo sapiens into homo deus. That is the transhumanist agenda, I think, summed up. They want to use artificial intelligence and technology to transcend human beings as we currently are into something that they see as a as a final and much better evolutionary point. So, yeah, the, uh, the, the suspension, I mean, obviously the, the line that's, I think, clearly crossable, what George is saying there, I agree, is that uh, medical improvements to, you know, eliminate disease, etc. That, that seems no more controversial than a Panadol. Exactly. Uh, but, but augmenting humanity with, mm. with mech mechanisms, um, and, and we're not talking about prosthetics, but actual, uh, you know, the, the psychological, mental makeup in, in the brain, etc., that George is discussing, um, that's, yeah, I, I think that's a, a very good definition of transhumanism, where you're becoming, uh, is android the right word? <laughs> Well, a hybrid, yeah, yeah. Yeah, between, yeah, between humans and technology. And like the focus of my book was very much because it's such a huge, um, you know, <laughs> subject. And there is not, you know, one monolithic kind of transhuman um, ideology. So there's a lot of people that kind of, you know, um, are excited about this idea, but don't necessarily follow, you know, Ray Kurzweil's sort of transhumanism or Nick Bostrom or um, you know, Harari and class and the fourth industrial revolution and all the rest of it. Um, but like when I was looking into, um, you know, efforts to make us immortal through technology, there was sort of three different ways to do it. So there's biological, which is like radical life extension. So just things that would extend our life, um, improve our life, um, you know, build our immune systems and stuff like that. So that's sort of like still our biological body and then there's bionic immortality which is um like getting to so it's a slippery slope you know so then it's getting to like putting machines into our body putting nanobots into our body to you know cell regeneration things like that um or you know synthetic blood vessels and things like that so then we're becoming no longer human and then there's at the far end of transhumanism is this um like cybernetic immortality or virtual immortality, which is um, like what George was speaking before, like this brain uploading so that they mm. believe that yeah, you yeah. map the human brain and digitise it and then um, upload it to either like a, a, you know, a mechanical substrate or a different body. And then, you you know, that there's sort of ideas that are um, very much... Um, you know, looked in with science fiction movies and the series at the moment on Netflix called Altered Carbon. I mean, this is oh, yes. the transhuman future that, you know, like I think they call like your human soul, like um, a stack. And once you die, you just put your stack into a sleeve, which is like a, a new body. Yes. So death becomes meaningless and you can just sort of, um, you know, I mean, that's the far end of transhuman. And, and this agenda. is... 
this is where it's very different from uh, fixing diseases or or even prosthetic limbs. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Because a prosthetic limb, as as mechanical as it is, uh, is is fixing and solving what's missing or broken exactly um as opposed to trying to improve the human design and and go from what what's perfect and good to more yes yes so there's nothing wrong with prosthetics in that sense it's not changing who we are as humans but when you get into this brain um machine interface like elon musk's Neuralink, so you know you're hooking up your brain to a computer and so then they can, like through a computer, you can um, control the human being. And this goes both ways. <laughs> so at the moment... Um, yeah, know, I'm not sure that I have a problem with human beings being able to, uh, with, with brain, control technology and machines. For example, uh, fighter pilots being able to fly their plane faster with... With, uh, or even people in a wheelchair being able to, you know, control and, and read and type and do things because of with eye movements and, and other such things. You know, those yeah. um, better control over machinery, uh, I'm, I can't think of a There may be problems with that that I haven't thought of. Well, yeah. But it's the reverse. Well, where, that's what I mean. Where yeah. the, where, where yeah, the machine you. gets to come back and, and control us. So and that's, that's the problem where it's um, a two-way interface. Yeah. So at, at the moment, like Musk's Neuralink has been used for Parkinson's pay, pa- patients. And, you mm. know, I'm sure they're very happy about that technology because it allows them to do things that they can't ordinarily do. Mm. But um, like even Musk talks about, um, you know, this connection with a human brain with a machine such that, we a person will become indistinguishable from the machine Mm. and then that you blur the line between different individuals and then you get to this long-term stage of the internet of all things where if if our brains are controlled by a database somewhere that's when it becomes extremely problematic because then people can um you know change you and and like as like Yuval Noah, Noah Yuval Harari says that we are now hackable animals. You know, we have yeah. enough data on people that we, we know more about you than you know about yourself. We, you know, through this predictive uh, programming, we can control your behaviour, you know, and now, you know, the, the surveillance of human beings and the data collection and everything, and this is all leading to the, you know, the one world government and the rest of it. What Sandra is saying is correct. Can I just jump in quickly and just say that, uh, you know, the, the, uh, what Hufal Naharari said is correct, hackable human beings. I mean, we know over in the UK uh, they have what they call the nudge unit, um, which is designed to uh, uh, use what's termed as dark psychology, you know, um, basically doing, doing, saying, putting certain things before people, um, putting certain conditions before people to trigger certain behavioural responses uh, that was deployed heavily during uh, the so-called pandemic and uh, that same sort of nudge unit um, uh, theory uh, and practice was uh, meted out by uh, the New South Wales uh, government which has a similar sort of behavioural unit um, and that, that nudge unit actually was contracted to various governments across the world and I think even the Victorian uh, health department contracted uh, the nudge unit. So uh, we are, uh, in, a, in a word, um, 
not hackable in terms of they can get in to your brain like you can get into a computer, uh, but we are essentially controllable now, and that's been proven. But if you have these um, AI neural interfaces going on, I mean, imagine what they can do then. And Klaus Schwab envisioned it, envisioned it himself. He said um, that just imagine in the future, and I'm paraphrasing him here, he said that, um, you know, I will be able to pick up thoughts from audience members. He's talking to a, some globalist elite group, but he said, I'll be able to pick up thoughts from audience members and in real time be able to respond to that. He's actually even said, um, or, or, or at least the WF, has suggested that um, there could be a stage where we block fake news hmm. in a person's head before they've read it, before they've looked at it, before they've comprehended it. It's blocked. Now, that has to be highly problematic. And that's an understatement. Highly problematic for freedom yes. and for democracy because we all know that the term fake news now just gets thrown about. Misinformation. Um, misinformation disinformation yep. whatever you call it the hunter biden laptop story which is true was called misinformation and apparent disinformation yep so the, basically um, what is being said here they can hide real things from us that the powerful and the elite don't want us to see that is the dangerous place that transhumanism could very very quickly end up yeah. Rue Taylor asked uh, a few minutes ago uh, the name of that Netflix show that was Altered Carbon. Uh, but, um, George, <laughs> could anybody doubt after the last two years that if government had the means to not just uh, use COVID passports, uh, vaccine passports, but actually control people's behaviour and thoughts and information, can anybody think for a second that now there would be any doubt that they would hesitate? But they absolutely would have. Um, as I said, the UK had the nudge unit. That was um, basically uh, <laughs> the analog version of what you're talking about, uh, that they were, they were doing it. And, um, you know, uh, because they couldn't, um, you know, get into our minds and, and, and rewire us from, uh, you know, our own, our own bodily autonomy, uh, they decided to bring in a vaccine passport system, which uh, basically controlled our behaviour because it limited where we could go and what we could do. So uh, without a doubt, if governments had the technology in place to be able to um, do certain things to our, our brains and our mental state, uh, they would. And they would under the guise that this is for your benefit. This is for the benefit of the collective, the safety and security of the collective. Uh, all mm. infringements on civil liberties and uh, personal autonomy are done in the name of that by government. Uh, even in Nazi Germany, the things that were done were apparently for the good of the collective. Uh, the things that were done in, in obviously Stalinist Russia and Maoist China and, and current communist China are done in the name of the collective and Western governments uh, did all that they did over the last few years um, in the name of the collective and for the greater good. Yeah. Um, Sandra, how important, what does your book tell us about how important it is uh, embodiment 
to our personal identity, to, to who I am. We hear about the sacredness of identity all the time, and I think that's a, a God idea, not just a postmodern idea. However, uh, postmodern humanism has, has taken identity to be your feelings. If you feel gender confused or you feel sexually confused, that's who you are and nobody can try to help that because that would be hate. Uh, so identity is important, even if we've got different understandings of it. But um, what do you what do you say about the importance of embodiment to who we are? Well, very important, and it's a um, it's a strong theme in my book that we are uh, as human beings we are a psychosomatic unity. So we are soul and spirit and body um, all together, and you can't prize that apart. So. Um, some of the transhumanist agenda, which is basically shedding our biological body and this whole dualism of what a man is, or what a human is, um, flies against this, um, this idea of us being mysterious souls, not hackable animals. Like we're mm. not just algorithms. We're not just data. We are um, made in the image of God and we are spiritual beings. And you can't prize apart um these things like so you know like this uploading our brain into um some some other kind of body um you will no longer be human like that is not we are not human anymore and then unfortunately that is the the far goal of transhumanism so transhumanism you've got another word called posthumanism so posthumanism is like we are being changed so much through technology that we will no longer recognise ourselves, you know, like as human beings anymore. And I think this is what's troubling to me, that the transhumanist agenda, like they want to be post-human. Uh, they want to be, they want to shed the biological body. They want to um, overcome, you know, like death and, well, disease is something that we do want to overcome, but yeah. death, that they want to overcome death. They want to overcome our own body because it's vulnerable, it breaks down, you know, um, so they seek to uh, overcome that um, by well, all sorts of ways. I mean, one of it's cryonics, so they freeze bodies until they have the technology to bring them back to life mm. and to extend their lives. Um, but uh, so I argue in my book that embodiment is part of who we are as a human being. A human being is an embodied soul. So it's not just, um, you know, our brain. It's not just our intelligence. It's not just um, algorithms and data that we can transfer. And we we are human beings and we act in social settings and we need a body, you know, um, and that that's, to me is extremely important. So I have a whole chapter about embodiment in my um, book. Yep, brilliant. Yeah. Xenobots, uh, Psychedelic said, we are not the Borg and where are you? Where you hadn't, hadn't? Where you're heading? There we go. Clever YouTube names. Uh, Xenobots. Um, Mama says God will have the last say. We are His creatures, not Hararis or any other monsters. Um, yeah, uh, George. Where do you think um, there's some? I, I guess is there some foundation in in what the I guess humanists. Uh, the, those people who think feelings um, about your body uh, are, are essential to identity and, and somehow sacred to the humanist religion. Uh, um, is there some foundation in there for arguing against transhumanism? Or is it an extension of, of those, uh, those disembodied oh. feelings? Look, I, 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 I 
I'd need to think more deeply about that question. But from what I see, I think where you're going is the uh, the transgender movement. And, um, you know, I, I feel like a member of the opposite biological sex. So I am one. I mean, that um, that uh, in itself is, I think, part and parcel of of this agenda. I mean, there, there is a view within the transhumanist movement. And Sandra's probably done a lot of research into all of those names that she uh, rattled off before, which are the um, uh, the sort of writers of the transhumanist uh, playbook and, and 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 their sort of sacred writings. Um, but but the idea of having almost an androgynous human race is is part and parcel of the transhumanist agenda. The idea of an asexual or sexless human being where um, the, 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 the best type of human is actually crafted and, and grown in a laboratory. Uh, this all sounds bizarre, right? This sounds like, again, dystopian science fiction, but it's in their writings. It's in their writings. And uh, it's now not just in the writings of some madman that rocks himself back and forth, forth and pastes newspaper all over the walls. It's, uh, it's you know, in the writings of people and in the speeches of people who are influencing world leaders right now. So uh, this is real and it has already begun. Can I say it has already begun? Um, you know, one of the, at the low end, and this is the low end, as scary as it is, it was only a couple of years ago, or in fact, probably a year or so ago during the pandemic that um, there was a, uh, a rollout of microchips implanted uh, under the skin in people in uh, in Sweden. I think 4,000 or so people got microchips mm. implanted. Uh, and again, I say this is at the low end, the low end of of concern and the low end of, of transhumanism itself because um, all it did is implant a chip, which I guess could be ripped out, I would expect. But that trip tracks you, chip tracks you. That chip is used to pay for goods and services. Uh, and, and it'll only be some time before they look at, um, at, at if they can have that technology for the sake of security, for the sake of uh, identity uh, and protecting your identity. They could look at fusing that fusing that chip to make sure that you can't actually take it out it can't be undone wow so th that's that's the scary stuff that's going on but um there's even more than that i just want to ask sandra can you explain to the audience in layman's terms that's very very difficult that what CRISPR technology is because you spoke about that before and also any other uh current or developing uh technologies that there are uh, in this transhumanist space? Sure. So very simply, um, CRISPR-Cas is um, it's an amazing technology um, that basically works like a, a delete and paste of um, like, you know, parts of the genome so they can section off bits and take stuff out and put stuff in. So basically an edit and paste of our DNA, which... Um, is, I mean, they, they've used it on plants and animals and now they're, they're, you know, potentially using it on human beings. So it's a very powerful technology and um, it was uh, discovered 
by um, Jennifer Doudner, I think. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, apparently she had a dream in which wow. um, she had a dream in which um, she was asked to come into this room and explain this technology to this person in the room, which she did. And then she found out it was Hitler. And she said, oh, my God, what have I done? Now, that is from her own mouth. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very powerful technology. Um, what's on the horizon, George? There's some very scary things on horizon. So I just recently listened to a lecture on um, using um, genetic engineering for moral enhancement, for both moral enhancement and also for spiritual experiences to get people close to God. So, and I was absolutely like blown away that, you know, we would even consider this. So the first one, moral enhancement. So they're trying to um, use like genetic engineering and or pharmaceuticals and drugs to remove like um, genes that might lead one to aggression or, you know, some sort of uh, behavioural um, things that they want to subvert um, and do genetic engineering to basically change like who we are in order to like curb, um, you know, what they would consider immoral tendencies. So, you know, it, that to me is very shocking. And the other, um, the other, um, so there's this book called, um, what's the name of the book? Unfit for the future, unfit for the future, the need for um, moral enhancement. And it's written wow. by two transhumanists. Good. So they basically. Who's morality? Say, who's yeah, morality? Exactly. That's, the that's, the question. Question. that's the question. Like, whose morality are we talking about and who's setting the values for that? And, and how do they propose to enhance morality? By, um, yeah, by, by detecting like what parts of the genes are like leading one to aggression and stuff like that and removing wow. them or replacing them with something else and so that's through genetic engineering or through pharmaceuticals genetic soy boys all through pharmaceuticals <laughs> like through drugs like you know oh, um that, like, you know like look, cater, look brave new world that's, that's that yeah exactly it's brave new world wow. so that is really scary because like as george says like who is determining what is right and wrong you know yeah you can grab that. Um, <clears throat> and the other very troubling thing is, um, so there's a moral enhancement and then there's this, these other technologies to give people spiritual experiences. So, you know, like if you could have a drug where you can experience God, you know, would you take it? And it's like I couldn't believe <laughs> that they were sort of even talking that this could be even a good thing because to me that's like incredibly fake. Like you can't be sort of, you know, connecting to God if you're on drugs, you know what I mean? Like that's just, yeah. yeah. So there's some pretty, you know, pretty troubling kind of um, technologies wow. out there to so-called help us. So like this whole idea behind this is that, you know, human beings haven't done so well to, um, you know, stop wars and alleviate poverty and, um, you know, climate change and all the rest of it. So we have to um, like mess with their genetic um, beings in order to make them more, you know, um, placable. <laughs> yeah, the, exactly. More, more placid, yes, compliant, right. like docile cows. Exactly, docile zombies, basically. Um, yeah. So get off the soy um, phytoestrogens, everybody, and.
I think we may have just lost uh, David <laughs> from the. Uh, Something's the going on. Back in. Sorry, you dropped, we, did I drop we, out or did you drop out? We dropped out. We dropped out. So okay. if that happens again, just keep uh, keep talking, <laughs> uh, George. Um, so look, um, I want to just promote the fact that we've got church and state summits coming up. Uh, there's a word from our sponsor at the moment. Um, so uh, at Adelaide this Saturday, I'm just trying to find the, uh, there we go. Chris has got it. Thank you, Chris. Um, this Saturday in Adelaide, uh, starting at 1 p.m., we've got a church and state conference there. Senator Antic, Alex Antic will be there, uh, and he's going to have a great keynote presentation. Uh, we're also going to be talking about transgenderism. Uh, Kira Lee Smith is going to be presenting a keynote uh, in the afternoon, and uh, she's from an organisation called Binary, which embraces the science of uh, gender and sexuality, uh, not the fake science, not the misinformation, not the doubters, not the theories, um, but the actual biological realities of how we were designed and, and made. Uh, affirming lies is hate. Uh, so. Uh, we're going to be learning from Kiralee how we can be best truthful, honest, and, and loving to those people who are experiencing those confusions. Uh, and then we're going to have a panel, all-star lineup, um, hosted by Kiralee Smith, including Senator Alex Antic. Uh, we're going to be uh, hearing from him about any developments um, as he has uh, gone on to... Um, to find out more information from Brendan Murphy or any other health bureaucrats who seem to um and ah and stumble over the complex question, what is a woman? Uh, also on that panel, we will have uh, representatives from some minor parties as well as a uh, retired uh, federal circuit court judge. Uh, these are all, we're going to be talking about the legalities and risks and realities of the critical gender theory uh, question that's being so popularised in bureaucracy and legislation. Uh, that's this Saturday in Adelaide. So head to churchandstate.com.au. There are a handful of tickets remaining. Uh, we're also going to be doing a church and state conference in Dolby in regional Queensland uh, at the end of this month on November 26th. Again, go to churchandstate.com.au to grab your tickets there. Sandra Goody is going to be doing a presentation on transhumanism there as well. And we're also going to have the new ACL director for Queensland, New South Wales and ACT, Rob Norman. And he's going to be talking about freedom of religion, especially as it is under threat and at risk in Christian education. Right now, you've got Western Australia, Northern Territory and Queensland Labor governments trying to make it illegal for a Christian school to say no thank you to homosexual teachers. Uh, now, Christian parents send their Christian kids to a Christian school so that they can get a Christian education. Uh, and uh, it is not controversial that that is difficult from someone who doesn't subscribe to and support all of Christianity. Uh, not controversial in the least. I couldn't get approved for a job as the social media person at the Greens. Why? Uh, because I don't uphold their ideals and values. Not because I'm not skilled or qualified or competent or capable, but because they don't want me teaching their followers my values. Uh, this isn't controversial in the least, and yet these governments are seeking to ban this very basic human liberty. No, it's not hateful discrimination. It's reasonable discrimination, just like not putting diesel in a petrol car. 
very, very sensible. These things shouldn't be working together and don't work together. They lose all their functionality. Uh, and of course, we've got the summit uh, happening at the end of, uh, sorry, at the end of February, beginning of March, March three to four uh, in Brisbane. That's something to get your early bird tickets for now. That's gonna be fantastic. Um, George, uh, where do you think things are progressing to next in the transhumanism agenda? Uh, we've, we've seen well, uh, uh, the, the COVID experiments with authoritarianism, whether they're related or coincidental, I think uh, there's no doubt that they were a rehearsal for the governments to see how pliable and cooperative uh, humanity was, uh, populations were with um, the erasure of, of freedom. Um, where could we be taken next? Well, and there's an article that I've sent through. I'm not sure whether you guys have received it yet, but it'd be great to show it up there. Uh, uh, well, that's, um, I'll have to resend the other one. I'll just do that. Um, but this is, uh, put that one up there. This is stuff that's already happened. DARPA, which is the US uh, Army's uh, scientific um, wing that's looking into all of these sort of weird and wonderful uh, uh, technological advancements. DARPA uh, has already got or developing mind control weapons. This is an article dating back three years ago, 2019. Uh, DARPA announced six teams are going to receive funding under the next generation non-surgical neurotechnological program. Uh, essentially what they're doing, they're paying scientists, this is from the article, to invent ways to instantly read soldiers' minds using tools like genetic engineering of the human brain, nanotechnology and infrared beams. The end goal is thought-controlled weapons, like wow. swarms of drones that someone sends to the skies with a single thought or the ability to beam images from one brain to another. Now, if you can't understand how frightening that technology could apparently be, then I don't know, I can't help you. Um, but can we put up the other article from Forbes because this is uh, a great article. Have you got that one, Dave? Yep, oh. it's coming. Yep. A anyway, I'll, I'll just uh, refer to it. Uh, yep, there it is. So Forbes run this article about uh, the seven ways that humanity uh, will change, uh, you know, not may change, will change within the next few years, you know, uh, five to 10 years. So if we scroll down, uh, first, they talk about augmentation. Um, this is the stuff we talked about, um, uh, you know, whether there's, um, what they talk about, uh, we can expect the arrival of contact lenses that can take pictures or video. Uh, to me, that's not so much transhumanism. Universal language translator earbuds. Again, that's not transhumanism. But we start to see it when they talk about the increased use of implants ranging from brain microchips and neural lace to mind control prosthesis and subdermal RFID chips that allow users to unlock doors and computer passwords. So uh, there's that. Uh, we go on down to our thought processes will be faster and more transferable. And this is obviously Forbes and the uh, fake news legacy media um, basically spruiking the benefits to you know, us great unwashed about um, why we should sign up to this agenda. Uh, they talk about wearing these brain machine interfaces or implanting them. Um, they mentioned Neuralink, they mentioned DARPA, which I just spoke about. Um, <clears throat> so that's one thing. Gamification and behavioral science will increase 
human productivity. Uh, and we sort of talked about that with the nudge unit, but they'll do it through technology where they can, um, you know, give us dopamine hits that uh, allow us to uh, do things that are considered moral in their eyes. Uh, we'll be more empathetic. Um, why? Well, I assume that uh, the reason this is, is because we'll be able to get perspectives from other people's brains and minds uh, uh, via technology, or at least what that technology is uh, is telling us that the other person is thinking or feeling. Uh, we will see the emergence of extreme personalization and customization, they say. Um, <clears throat> personalization will extend to our homes, as we're currently seeing with smart home devices that can set moods with lighting and music, they say. Um, uh, but here's the key. Marketers be able to use emotional filters based on our activity to change the tone of their message on the, on the spot in response to our current mood. So uh, way to go, privacy. Um, yeah, way to go. It'll be a long way away that it will go. Uh, business yeah. practices will shift significantly. Of course they will. I mean, big business and major corporations wanting to get into our minds to sell us all kinds of things. Uh, conversations focused on our societal values will gain, gain a great deal of attention. Uh, well, I'm sure they will. That's the collective being put ahead of our individual rights. And they'll use all sorts of things from pandemics to climate change to tell us that we need to do certain things or behave in a certain way. So that is the future that that a, a journalist by the name of Sawant Singh at Forbes uh, actually put forward as, um, as, you know, what will be good about transhumanism? Now, of course, to some people, they might think, well, that is good. But to me, I don't want that future. Uh, I'm not sure that you want that future or Sandra wants that future or too many listeners want that future. But it's a future that's already in preparation. I mean, let me just uh, go to um, one other article that I think that I've sent through uh, again as well from Zero Hedge. Uh, do we have a copy of that article? Yeah, give me uh, 27 milliseconds. Okay. And um, uh, that article talks about... Uh, uh, a surgeon that's able to perform the success, first successful wound transplant on a transgender patient. So the old story, I mean, this really is, is it's how I said before, that transgenderism is linked to this because the idea that you can make an androgynous human race um, is, is part and parcel of this agenda. And the idea that you can actually have men having babies um well you know surgically they've done it earlier this year a successful womb transplant crazy stuff but it has happened uh and the final thing that i want to show you david and i'll just send through this article but i'll start referring to it um straight away if i can is um on it's from the daily balance the normalization of brain chips, you know, uh, and they talk about a, an article um, in the Times where they were promoting the idea of getting microchipped. Uh, that article was based on a report from the Law Society in the UK. There's a picture of it there, neurotechnology, law and the legal profession. 
Um, this is a push that's happening. I mean, people who were customers of Suncorp uh, actually got uh, now an infamous email promoting the benefits of being microchipped. Wow. Uh, that is the the low-hanging fruit of, of transhumanism, but that's coming faster than we actually realise. So that's the stuff that I have, uh, you know, just with my simple amount of research, uh, have found that's actually already there. Um, and it's there so much so that uh, Chile has actually brought in laws that I think we'll see more and more as time goes on laws that actually you know how you have anti-discrimination laws against i guess race and gender and sexuality we see that all the time the only people in our society you're able to discriminate against is christians but um uh, we see all of this well now they're bringing in anti-discrimination laws in chile well they've already have already brought them in uh, against people who are gene edited that's wow. <laughs> why is this going to yep. become a massive boom in the future, uh, gene-edited human beings. Uh, I guess Chile thinks that they are. And so um, they've moved to uh, outlaw uh, discrimination against them. And I just wonder how those laws are being interpreted. Um, would a conversation such as you and I and Sandra are having at the moment be seen as potentially discrimination well, a law in preparation of stifling conversations such as this one about transhumanism it's this is happening this is not That's fiction this is not a movie this is not you know um, some some science fiction novel it's george, reality george, george it's okay psychedelic <laughs> youtube youtube commenter assures us transhumanism tech is safe and effective so don't worry. <laughs> we've heard that before too <laughs> fiona says uh, god's people without the churches many are behind the evil just look at the vatican uh, not sure i agree on that uh, we'll take that as a comment thank you tony uh, this is evil poo icon playing god um yeah um Absolutely. And Mama, probably a more useful comment. Time for Christians to assert their values in a more robust way. Uh, Sandra, your book is definitely uh, seeking to explain the facts, evidence, data and research of the transhumanism movement. But as a theologian, you're also doing uh, precisely that, asserting uh, God's values. Uh, they're not your opinion. They're not my opinion. Um, I, I want to subject my will to um, calibrate with God's will. Um, so what what can people discover in your book about uh, God's ideas and solutions um, for the, the transhumanism question? A very great deal. And th this is what was um, like fueling really the writing of the book is because I was discovering all these things about the transhumanism ideals and agendas. And and I got extremely um, perturbed by them <laughs> and wanted to, and I, I was thinking to myself, why are they trying to do this? Because the gospel already gives us a superior outcome. Mm. Um, and so what my book does is that it um, explains both agendas. So I do go into the transhuman, like the main, you know, um, gurus of the transhuman movement and what they've said. There's a lot of quotes. It's very well researched. 
um, and just sort of lay it out um, almost, you know, sort of objectively, this is what they're trying to do. Um, and also comparing and contrasting that with the Christian gospel. And so what God, you know, what God has um, purposed mankind to do and, um, and what is our teleological end, what is the end goal for humanity. Um, so it's very, very clear. And in two particular, um, two particular areas, I contrast the transhumanism ideology with um, Orthodox Christianity, and it's in the area of anthropology, which is basically just the nature of a human. So who are we? So what makes us a human being? And also in eschatology, which is the end goal, like what is the end goal for humanity? And so, um, and then I come to the conclusion that they are mutually incompatible. Yeah. Um, and so you have to kind of, you have to look at what the transhumanists are about. They see that we are just, you know, evolving from animals and we're going through humans and we'll go to post-human, some technological hybrid of the future. Um, you know, and they paint it as a very attractive picture. <laughs> um, and then you've got the, the gospel, which, um, as I said, you know, this is, they want to be something other than human, but um, the Bible tells us that we want to be better humans. So, um, you know, there's this, we haven't even talked about the whole area of our inclination to sin, you know, or to do evil to our neighbour or, you know, um, the propensity to oppress other people. Um, so that is not dealt with or even considered in the transhumanist movement, whereas like the gospel, um, you know, through Christ, he deals, he um he deals definitively with this evil inclination in human nature. So our nature has changed, but we still remain like um, body and soul together. And so our, our goal and our hope is resurrection from the dead, which is incredibly superior to a transhuman ideal, which is just yeah. us in our fallen nature and our um, imperfect body extending longevity of life or enhancing our faculties. And it's all kind of, it's all just completely inferior to what God has promised us because he's promised us through the gateway of death, a resurrected life, uh, an incredible upgrade of all our humanity, all our faculties. We'll be able to walk through walls, you know, we'll have um, the same body but a spiritualised body, um, but it will still be us. So I have a whole chapter on like who we are, that we are embodied souls and we don't want to prize our body away from who we are inside. Mm. And a whole chapter on the resurrection, which hopefully is very inspiring because it, it to me it is a, a much higher vision than the transhumanist goal. So everything I look at at transhuman, transhumanist, I think, well, God's already trumped that. Like what he offers us is infinitely superior yeah. to what their their goals are. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that parts of my book. George, is there this in, inherent um, exploitation going on by the WEF and other advocates of transhumanism to, to go far beyond and, and far over the line of ethics and morality uh, in the pursuit of, of exploiting uh, people's desire for eternity? Uh, that, uh, that, that God says, the Bible says, that eternity has been placed in our hearts. So C.S. Lewis um, you know, just has a similar saying. I can't recall it quite now, and I don't want to butcher it with a bad quote. I might see if I can Google it, yeah. but perhaps you know it. Uh, if the one I'm talking about, um, that that he longs for another world, is how he he knows that there is one. Um, yeah. And, and so, if I mean, there may be people who love this idea, uh, and what's going on is this exploitation 
of people's yearning for good news. And and where is the good news if the good news is not in transhumanism? Well, well, obviously, for people that do not believe that there is life after death, who believe that uh, all that this is, the concept of immortality via technology is appealing to them. Um, but I mean, it won't be immortality. I mean, the, before we talked about cryogenics, well, Walt Disney tried that, and I'm afraid that, um, that things ended up in a rather bad place for him. So, uh, you know, the, I think cry, cryogenics um, you know, won't achieve what people were looking for. The idea that you could download your thoughts, um, your uh, your ticks, your uh, uh, your memories, and implant that into someone else. I mean, is that really going to be immortality? Um, is it going to be you? Or is it going mm. to be a digitized version of yourself? So it's, uh, it's quite fraudulent to suggest that that is somehow going to be immortality. It's not just fraudulent, it's very egotistical to think that anyone would want so true. Someone, like, someone like me sitting around 300 years time expounding on transhumanism to them i mean i don't want to be doing that david so um yeah. you know to to have crash <laughs> wobble <laughs> no yuval harari uh uh sort of expounding to us in 500 years time well, i don't yes. think people will want that either but uh, you know so um we've you know whether whether you've got religious beliefs or not i think that um the idea that you you shouldn't have a limited time on this earth uh, probably is as i said just before quite quite egotistical um uh, we do have a limited time on this earth that's um biological i believe that's also spiritual um and uh you know uh, uh, i'm probably lost track of where we where we started up here but you know my, my answer to your question is uh that these people uh, who push this cause think it is for the greater good we're going we, we don't they don't believe in an afterlife we're going to transcend who we are we're going to be be better we're going to potentially live forever in some type of form yeah. i'm going to say that is complete and utter rubbish it will never ever happen but yeah. what will happen in the meantime we will destroy what it means to be human uh, by fiddling around with with DNA and with, with uh, gene sequences, uh, we will destroy any essence of personal privacy uh, and and by consequence personal choice and personal freedom with technologies that are going to be deployed that will um, uh, that will go into our mind. And the question ultimately is going to be when they roll this technology out, whether it be in the next decade or, or, or more, for the, the bulk of people, and it will be a bulk, whether it's um, a sizable minority or whether it's the majority who say, no, 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 I don't want that microchip in me, or I don't want you to do some neural link with my brain. You know, I don't want that at all. Yeah. What will happen to them? Correct. You know, uh, 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 are they going to be penalised like people were penalized over the last two years for not injecting into them a substance that had no long-term safety data associated with it. Is that what's going to happen? If you have a chip, 
you'll be able to go to certain places and do certain things. If you have the neural link put in you, you'll be able to uh, uh, buy certain things. You know, how is this going to end up? And ultimately, are we going to be forced into complying with this transhumanist agenda? I'd say that based on all that's happened, the answer quite obviously is going to be, yes, we will be forced. And that's why we need to oppose this agenda right now, not later, not while it, not, not when it sort of creeps up and starts knocking on the door and says, hello, I'm the microchip here uh, to, to, to be injected into your arm or into your, uh, into your brain. You know, that's not the time to do it. The time is now. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we have a question here. Good one. Um, Clifford Meyer says he's dropped in late. What is this book just being described? Uh, the book, uh, here's the uh, link where you can you can go get it. Um, Chris, if you can put that up, that banner. Uh, the book is Reaching for Immortality, Can Science Cheat Death? A Christian response to transhumanism. Reaching for Immortality, Can Science Cheat Death? Uh, so we've got the link on the screen now. Uh, for those people listening on the podcast, that is amzn.to slash 3em r5zs uh, i won't repeat that please go to the website goodsource.news uh, find the link to this video you'll be able to watch it there and and find the links beneath that um and uh, that'll be great this this live video will be deleted from facebook and youtube uh, channels and uh, we'll put up some short clips uh but you can watch the whole video in full on rumble the good source channel on rumble where we're not censored or on the website also where we're not censored um there's this uh, great great uh, article from c.s lewis that uh, chris has found for me um which i will read now uh which which talks about this altogether uh, and it's an excerpt from his famous book uh, mere christianity and quote most people if they had really learned to look into their own hearts would know that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world there are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you but they never quite keep their promise if i find myself if i find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy the most probable explanation is that i was made for another world lewis continues probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it but only to arouse it to suggest the real thing if that is so, I must take care on the one hand, never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other, never to mistake them for something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it go. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that other country and to help others do the same. Uh, and, and as you said, George, end quote, by the way, as you said, George, uh, it, it is the height of arrogance uh, for humanity and science to think uh, in all of their striving and achieving and, and learning and discovering that they can uh, create the supernatural, that, that spiritual, non-physical satisfaction that C.S. Lewis describes, uh, which is in all of us. Well, talking about C.S. Lewis, I mean, this guy is a prophet. People know C.S. Lewis because of Narnia, and I, you know, as good as the Narnia books are, 
um, you know, for children and obviously have uh, a greater, deeper spiritual meaning. He actually wrote, and, and, and I can't believe this is not publicized more, he wrote a science fiction trilogy. Um, uh, there was three books. Uh, I forget the title of the first one. I'm going to say it wrong. It's like Palandaria or something like that. There was Out of the Silent Planet. There was That Hideous Strength. And the whole series uh, is about this, um, uh, well, read the series, but what features in it is this uh, governmental organisation called NICE, the National Institute of Coordinated Experiments. And uh, wow. you can see where this is going. It was a whole treatise against uh, the idea of scientism. And uh, scientism was something that C.S. Lewis pushed back uh, so hard against. And what he saw as scientism was just um, experimentation, uh, particularly on humanity, that was detached from ethics. Um, and in fact, uh, it's it, this is a quote on a, on a review that the New York Times did, but the New York Times was a good newspaper back in 1946 on... Uh, on that, that, that hideous strength is a parable concerning the degeneration of man, which inevitably follows a gross and slavish scientific materialism, which excludes all idealistic, ethical and religious values. So I tell you what, go and pick up those three novels if you can. Um, uh, I'm going to get the name of the first one right, but uh, it's Out of the Silent Planet, uh, That Hideous Strength, and uh, the... Paralandra. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, Paralandra. I almost got it right. Paralandra is the other one. So uh, uh, Thanks, George. I've never heard of those. I'm going to look them oh, up. Oh, really? There you go. Yeah, well, I'm glad I've illuminated some people. It, it is brilliant. It is brilliant. Uh, uh, I read Girl it was the second years one ago though. now, but um, it, it's uh, uh, it, the first one, which I think is the Silent Planet, right? Is is uh, it, it can be a little bit um, hard to get into. Uh, okay. There is a bit of a lead up, but once you get beyond that, it's pretty good. The yeah, um, it's now, called the Space Trilogy thing... or Cosmic Trilogy by C.S. Yes, Lewis. That's uh, published it. between 1938 and 1945. Wow, there you go. Well, as I said, uh, a visionary, a prophet. Can I pick you up on one thing, David? Just uh, at interest, um, one of your uh, commenters before was talking about uh, the Vatican. Uh, well, actually, we can say that the Vatican have uh, have discussed and held conferences with the uh, globalist elite talking about transhumanism, humanity 2.0, uh, mm. Technology and human flourishing was uh, held with the support of the Pontifical Lateran University. Um, so, you know, this agenda does delve into the churches. Um, and uh, I mean, I know ultimately they're probably talking about how this can be deployed for the use of good and, and the use of, uh, of humanity and the use of, of God, I would hope. Um, <laughs> But nonetheless, uh, they are talking about it and they uh, invited people to this conference that are the transhumanists themselves and that are pushing this agenda. So, um, uh, you know, there it is in that article there from uh, uh, Church Militant, which is a, um, a conservative Catholic news organisation. I like this uh, statement from Jorge Guillen. It's the 21st century Tower of Babel. Uh, men 
of their own effort trying to reach equality with God. Uh, and, and there is an inherent arrogance and egotism about that. Uh, it is fundamentally the sin of pride uh, and it, it's fatal. And, and you know what? That this, this is probably my, my common thread of diagnosis for problems in the West, in the world, in Australian democracy, is the sin of pride. It's, it's politicians, legislators, jurists who think themselves equal to or unaccountable to God. Uh, and, and the solution is actually contained uh, in our constitution, in the preamble, where it says all of these states uh, agreeing to form a commonwealth and a federation, humbly relying on the blessing of Almighty God. Uh, if we can just assume that posture, whether or not you go to church, just acknowledge that you will be ultimately accountable for your decisions, behaviours, actions, rulings, judgments and legislation, policies and actions. The, 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 this sense of humility has, surely it doesn't take a religious person to understand that that sense of humility and accountability uh, will lead to better government uh, everywhere. So thanks for that uh, comment, Jorge. I, I think you're exactly right. Um, just having a look through the comments, we need to wrap up. Um, somebody's talking about infiltration in churches. Look, there's, there's really no part of the modern West which hasn't been infiltrated. Um, and uh, that doesn't mean we surrender, run away, or, or throw the baby out with the bathwater. It actually means we have to show up. We have to turn up, be faithful, speak, vote, um, join the Liberal Party, join the church, and make sure that those infiltrators don't get to pollute and, and corrupt uh, what's going on there. Um, so, yeah, good comments. Uh, thank you, anyway. Let's go around the room. Um, and, and Sandra, I'll come to you after George. But, George, uh, your final thoughts for this conversation as, as we uh, wrap up. Well, Sandra mentioned eugenics earlier, and eugenics was a, uh, a scientific craze or a pseudo-scientific craze uh, back in the day that was talking about how to create the perfect human race. And they did that um, by erasing and discarding great swathes of humanity that were considered undesirable. And I actually think that the transhumanist agenda is no different. In fact, I could replace the term eugenics and insert the term transhumanism in what I just said, and you would get the same result. Great swathes of our own humanity could potentially be discarded or destroyed uh, in the pursuit of creating what uh, uh, the pseudoscience believes is the perfect human being, uh, but it never ever will achieve that because uh, as far as I'm concerned, there was only one perfect human being. His name was Jesus Christ. And uh, yep. while we can try to imitate him, we are never ever going to uh, get there. Uh, not in this world anyway. Uh, we may in the next, we can hope. Uh, but these transhumanists are pursuing a fool's errand. Uh, but my worry is that in the pursuit of that fool's errand, as I said before, our humanity is at stake, uh, our privacy is at stake, our own thoughts and our control is at stake, and our freedoms are at stake. And this is not something in the future, it's things that are happening now and being discussed now and being experimented on now. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, George. Thank you for uh, your time on the show uh, this week and, and every week. Um, Sandra, final thoughts for, from you for the audience and, and viewers watching today? Okay, well, I suppose as a theologian, my um, focus is on what it means to be human. 
And, um, you know, I think that we are made in the image of God and transhumanism seeks to mar and deface the image of God in us and, and, you know, make us into some superhuman through technology. And as I agree with George, it's a, it's a fatal flaw and it will fail. It is the new Tower of Babel. Um, I, I do say this in my book that, you know, there are similarities in terms of our aspirations, like this longing for immortality is a result of the echo of the image of God in all of us. So, you know, I don't, um, I don't disagree with their desire for immortality, their desire for a world, you know, rid of suffering and death and all the rest of it. Um, but, you know, it's like the gospel already presents the answer to that question. Yeah. And that is the good news. Um, we do not need to try to, um, you know, it's a salvation by technology, basically, transhumanism. It's a mm. salvation by technology. And, you know, when it comes to it, it's um, just a contrast between ourselves, you know, and as you said before, that pride, that hubris, that we can do this ourselves, we don't need God, we can mess around with the design of our human being. I think it is a fatal error. And um, why do it when we have this alternative which is infinitely superior and very hope-filled vision of the future yep. um, in the gospel. Yeah, well said. Um, just looking at some final comments, but uh, I, I think uh, if you're on these channels, you can have a look. Uh, there's there's a lot of um, things that we've been saying over this uh, last hour, uh, hour and a quarter. Um, but for me, I just want to say thank you very much uh, to Sandra and to George for uh, joining us uh, on today's episode. It's very informative uh, and it's a it's a vexed subject because it's so mind-boggling, uh, the, the things that people are trying to attempt here. And, and I think it's well summarised that essentially they're, they're playing God in, in not any innocuous, uh, ar simply arrogant way, but in a, in a really pernicious, dangerous way um, that they're trying to reach immortality and and these redefine humanity and uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, not good. Uh, thank you to the supporters who just contribute a little bit each month, uh, $10, $20 or more to keep the good source and, and Pello Talk coming to you and operating. And uh, if you haven't heard about it, this Saturday I'll be in Adelaide with Senator Alex Antic, uh, Kiralee Smith and James McPherson and a lot of other people, um, leaders of minor parties in, in South Australia, and we're going to be having a church and state conference. Head to churchandstate.com.au for details and tickets on that conference in Adelaide. There'll be another one in Dolby, Queensland, on the 26th of November, and the annual summit where people will come from Perth and New Zealand and everywhere in between to attend a two-day conference on these issues. Uh, and, and that's a specifically Christian conference to say, you know, what does God say about this and what should Christians who love their neighbours and, and want to intervene in injustice, what should we be doing if we actually care about our nation and neighbours? Uh, and uh, that's going to be a great conference. So all those details, churchandstate.com.au. And uh, if you'd like to become a supporter or subscriber, please head to goodsource.news. Uh, where we can uh, keep you informed with articles and videos and, and podcasts and uh, all that's going to help to keep you informed and dilute the, the terrible effects of the lying harlot media. We want more informed voters 
better informed voters and better involved people to uh, not abandon the systems to the Marxist infiltration, but to actually march back no matter how long it takes. But that's it for this episode. It's been great having your company and your comments, and we will see you again soon. Bye-bye. Today, we need a special kind of courage, not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynics so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.